This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. We are still recording from home, but uh, yes. the content train rolls on. And yes. today we're having a conversation about tech. Uh, yes. Easily the most uh, most exciting part of the market for the equity mates community, and it's a it's an important week to have this conversation. I think we're recording in a week where Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet combined reported sixty eight billion dollars mm-hmm. in quarterly mm-hmm. profit, Aussie dollars. Uh, so tech in the US is just flying. We want to hear what's going on with tech closer to home in the Australian market. And we've got one of the best joining us to tell us all about it. That's right, Ren. No doubt that uh, it's an exciting space for many of uh, the Equity Mates community and as well as the startup scene as well. And uh, our guest today, Elise Kennedy, is charged with covering it all. So, Elise, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to share what I can So, Elise is Vice President of Equity Research at Jarden and leads the Australian research team covering technology and the internet. She has over 10 years experience in financial markets, including seven years at Morgan Stanley covering telecommunication, media, technology, and gaming. And today, we're going to be picking her brains about all of these things, particularly the buy now, pay later space. She's done a lot of work in that space, and we know how uh, important it is for our equity rates community, um, as well as uh, talk about the wild west of startups, and we'll get her thoughts on some of the Aussie tech darlings as well. So, Really looking forward to this one, Elise. But uh, first things first, over to you, Ren, for our game. That's right, Elise. We like to start with a bit of a game to get your thoughts on some topics we may not otherwise cover in this interview. Uh, So it's called Overrated, Underrated, and we'll start at home. Overrated or underrated, the ASX 200 index. I've been told it's been overrated for the last 10 years. So I'm going <laughs> to say that I still see a huge value in the market, even though it is reaching its all-time highs. So underrated. 
Overrated or underrated, looking overseas, the NASDAQ 100. Similar case is the ASX here, I would say. Um, but probably, if anything, I would say perhaps more overrated context there. Some of those larger companies have less growth in their future because they are those incumbents that I'd lean more towards your NASDAQ if you're looking for more growth. Says the tax. <laughs> <laughs> So, Elise, this is a common question that we, uh, I guess, get asked in the Equity Mates community, uh, a community full of retail investors. Overrated or underrated full service brokers for retail investors? You know what? I'm probably not experienced enough to be able to actually answer that question because um, I don't necessarily engage in it myself. Um, so, can I say a neutral? <laughs> Yes, you can. Elise, overrated or underrated, uh, an asset class that is always controversial, and that is Bitcoin. Again, I think I will go with underrated just because you can see the usage of cryptocurrencies and how much that's happening in the startup land that you can see whether or not it's fundamental growth or it's momentum either way everybody including my Uber driver is talking about it so there's a bit more to go i think in that well bryce will love hearing that he uh bitcoin has crossed forty thousand us dollars overnight and bryce has fired up the crypto group chat again this morning so <laughs> you can see him smiling there on camera <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Elise, final question for this game, overrated or underrated, uh, Australian residential properties? Well, we've got another 10 to 15% price increases over the next 12 months on top of the 15% we've already seen. So unfortunately, for some of us still trying to buy those properties, underrated. Wow. Not what I want to hear. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we're doing a show on equities and not property. But anyway, at least before we get into uh, Australian listed tech and buy now, pay later, we'd love to start at the top. And that is with the story of your first investment. If you're able to share that and perhaps some of the major lessons that you took from it. Absolutely. So my first investment was in 3D printing in the US back during university. And for me, that was a great eye-opener to stop picking. It's more than just knowing what to buy and when to buy it. It's also about when to sell it. So I bought 3D systems when it was under $20 a share. It nearly quadrupled in price up over $75. But then before I knew it and was able to look at that trade, I was too busy studying, it was back below $20 where it stayed for the last year until about last year. So again, that taught me that timing in the market is everything. Interesting. And Elise, from that first investment to now, have you developed a personal investing philosophy? Well, I'm actually quite risk adverse with you know, a tech analyst investing and recommending stocks without earnings seems counterintuitive. (laughs) But for me, I think that's part of my investment philosophy going forward and taking that first experience. I really like those stocks that I feel confident around the market opportunity, that ability to grow in a sustainable manner. And some of those unit economics that perhaps didn't stack up in some of my first investments, um, you don't always have to believe the hype, but you do need to know, hey, when the market gets over that hype, what are those fundamentals that I do know? So you've mentioned, obviously, that you're the tech analyst. So let's turn to Aussie tech. No doubt that you can't miss the tech scene over in the States. As we said at the top, it's got the world's biggest tech companies. But 
if you were to try and explain to a US investor uh, how the tech scene looks here in Australia, how would you sort of summarize the listed tech companies in the scene here? We have a lot of high-quality global businesses that are based on the ASX Australia. But the challenge here versus, say, the US is they're fewer than they are. Um, and as a result, compared to the US, sometimes we get what we call a scarcity premium. So these good stocks tend to trade higher than perhaps what they might on the NASDAQ because in the NASDAQ, they'll get lost in, in the number and numerous sides. So I would be saying that, hey, you're going to get some quality businesses, but in Australia, with the flow of funds that we have here, you might be paying a little bit higher than you would in the US for these things. So, Elise, over in the US, they have FANG or FANMAG these days. Um, the the I guess the list of the top US tech stocks. Over here, we have WAX with three A's. Um, let's bring back this overrated, underrated game and maybe get your thoughts on them. Uh, so let's start with the W, um, Wise Tech. Overrated, underrated, and, and what are your thoughts on it? It's underrated in our view and leading on into results, uh, it's actually one of our top picks. So a bit of context and background, Wise Tech, logistics software company, uh, global business, it's had a few short summer reports, which has meant that it's never gone back to its all-time highs. And some of the reasons around that was around doing 40 acquisitions over two to three years. It's, you know, sometimes a red flag. Um, so the thing is, though, this year, they've stopped doing any acquisitions. Freight volumes, which is where they take a clip of the ticket each time you move your volumes, are up over 20% globally. So you think that should bode well for your organic growth. Um, and the stock's still, you know, trading around $30, $31. Its historical high was $38. So it hasn't really ever got rid of that, 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 you know, concern. So for us, that's a few of the reasons why it's one of our, our preferred picks and I think has some near-term catalysts to drive that share price. Uh, moving to the A's, Altium, overrated or underrated? And what's the thesis there? So underrated on that name, just because it has a smaller market opportunity. 1.2 billion, it's doing around 200 now. Sounds massive, but they haven't really got the dominance there. The only caveat to that, they have had some M&A interest from um, overseas more recently. So that, again, any stock that you see that has M&A usually keeps that premium. People think, hey, there might be another bidder. So even though it's it's not one of our preferred picks on fundamentals, um, there might be a bit of noise around that stock near term. We've gone logistics software, we've gone printed circuit boards, now let's go buy now, pay later. And let's just do this one briefly because we'll, we'll go into detail on buy now, pay later in a little bit. Uh, but overrated or underrated after pay? Underrated. There's a few reasons which we can delve into. And I know it's a well-loved stock amongst everyone, um, really high valuation. But in short... They're only at the early stage of their journey um, and they're broadening out beyond being just the payments. They've got a marketplace. They've teamed up with Westpac. So for us, yes, underrated. Nice. Looking forward to some further conversation around that. <laughs> uh, closing out the A's, we have Appen. Uh, overrated, underrated and, and why? So we we haven't really formed a view on that stock yet at this point in time. I think that AI is, is a really important part and it's a bit of a different marketplace. So I'll start on the fence on that one. Well, the market certainly isn't sitting on the fence. I think it's down about over 50% from where it started the year. So yeah, the market's got a clear view, but let's move on to zero. Uh, 
accounting software, probably the least sexy of these five, but potentially the best business. Uh, overrated or underrated? Zero. Underrated. Don't worry, we do have stealth in our space. Um, but this was one of the first stocks I ever covered um, back when it was, you know, around $30. And I found that, you know, some of those less sexy stocks, as you say, are some of the best because they're fundamentally low churn, they're sticky, there's regulation happening, that's digitizing your tax system. You can see all the drivers and they're reporting in our similarly beyond accounting software, which is small business software, new businesses starting up. It's just ticks all around. Uh, just just to give give everyone a bit of balance, we've said four underrated, a one yeah. no view. Maybe tell us one Australian listed tech stock that is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know. Sorry, I did say our team's oh, overrated. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. That, sorry, to be clear there. So, yeah. <laughs> there is one in the balance there. It's not by everything. Don't worry. There are a few others in there. Um, it's just that happen to be the wax stocks. That's a challenge. You, you look at the fang stocks and had you have gone and shorted there just because you thought valuation and that had a good run, it would yeah, cost you. Yeah. So, I think that's some of the things is fundamentally these stocks that have, you know, got their little recognition name. Mm. Um, just before we move on as well, question in your eyes, Domino's, is it a tech stock or a pizza company? <laughs> I remember a salad chain asked for a, you know, multiple that was a tech company. Um, I think they've got some elements where definitely if you look at what are the drivers of differentiation for them, it is around the ability to get your pizza within three minutes, the ability to give you a unique topics um, that are customized to you and using all that data. So, you know, does it deserve that premium of a tech stock? At the end of the day, there are inventory and overheads that make it know it's not a tech stock for those those reasons, but is it utilizing the technology to be able to have a premium versus its mm. peers? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Bryce and I uh, look out for the trope around every earnings season where companies completely unrelated to tech, you know, retail to you know, like whatever, we'll talk about AI and machine learning in their earnings update. <laughs> it is the biggest trope these days when it comes to earnings season. 20 times yeah. EV sales. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like if you throw in AI or crypto somewhere in your um, in your reporting, you're looking for a share price bump. <laughs> and that's why Equity Mates is an AI-driven tech stock. <laughs> <laughs> with a crypto <laughs> offering. <laughs> so, so Elise, uh, Wax gets a lot of, has got a lot of the attention um, the last few years, but there's a lot of uh, older, and I guess I put older in inverted commas because most of them are still in their second decade, um, but, but older Australian tech companies, the Webjets, the REAs, Seeks, car sales, do you cover these stocks as well at Jardin? And how do you think about, I guess, that older cohort of tech stocks. Yeah, we do cover a number of those names in at um, Jardin. And we think about them as, you know, they're, they're great businesses and they actually make money, which gives you a bit of more certainty versus some of those that are still perhaps in their earlier formation stages. So let's just take, for example, the likes of REA or even domain in the housing market. As you said, or we discussed earlier, is around house prices and our forecast there. Whilst you might not be able to buy that house, these are stocks that are levered to the housing prices because more housing 
prices, brings more sellers, results in more listings, and that's a key driver for some of these stocks. So the thing is that they are proven models. We know that customers continue and always have gone to these platforms. And through COVID, we saw, if anything, even when auctions went to next to zero, they were still able to make money and take costs out. So we definitely look at them and definitely fall within what we'll say is your more established online tech players. One thing about a lot of those companies that I often think about is that they've got extreme local dominance like seek owns job listings rea and domain own home own home listings webjet mm. owns online domestic travel bookings uh, but then or even car sales you know like incredible domestic presence but then it's the question about like can they be truly international businesses and they all seem to have like differing levels of success and different strategies you know webjet completely switch their business offering and web beds is like their big international play. When you're looking at some of these Australian-based tech companies with dominant domestic footprints, how do you start to think about can they be truly global companies or just great Australian companies? It's a really great question um, and especially because for these companies, when you do reach more of a mature state, that's when you start to see them move offshore. But their core business still is what you pay for today. So when we think about offshore, initially it is option value. So do you pay for that today? Not necessarily because you haven't necessarily proven your capability. And as you've recognised, it can be a mixed. When you start to see them taking market share, and there's a few different ways that we can analyse that, whether it's app trends, Google trends, downloads, you start to see them get traction. They actually, no, they are beating some of the incumbents and or you're seeing some things like regulation come to a change um, that is shifting, you know, structural change from print to online because some of the markets overseas are a bit late in, in that adoption phase. That's when you start to think, oh, no, I can price that into my model. There's upside that maybe isn't recognised by the market. But as you say, today it's still a bit mixed for even all those names, but if they can show their ability, then that's going to be where the key value and future growth lies. So, at least another, I guess, part of the equity mates community that is generating a lot of excitement or part of the market sorry is esports no doubt that particularly internationally it's a, a growing industry a lot of money starting to come in and some pretty cool investment opportunities so where where are you seeing some interesting opportunities in this space so esports is still relatively early in australia there's a few small cap stocks that you can find that specialize in it we don't yet cover it as an investment house but in the large cap space um you may be contentious about what is defined as esports but even in the digital gaming space aristocrat which is your traditional um poker machine make app it has 30 percent of its earnings coming now from digital online gaming um, and it does have some of those what we call RPG um, which are more kind of gamer-like games. So that's another way to, to play it in a large cap way with a stock that has more sustainable earnings because a lot of those smaller cap stocks that are early stage haven't been proven but it's a, it's a growing meaningful sport for our next generation of cohort um, and you think if you could have invested in NRL or AFL, not that you can, but would you have invested in that? Probably because you know how some sustainable it is. You know it's a trend that's coming through. You know that they're probably going to be on mainstream TV in the future. So it's definitely an interesting space that's getting more traction globally and now coming into Australia too. Mm. 
Yeah, it is fascinating. You know, we read about reports of what's going on overseas and the amount of money being thrown into it. I went to South Korea and went into one of those Starcraft stadiums and they are literally <laughs> stadiums. <laughs> it's pretty I was incredible. Saying, I was at Brook- yeah, Brooklyn Stadium and it was one of the active lizards, um, which is one of the stocks listed over there. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it was like the second biggest um, sport and you had all the commentators, you had all the fans. It was a packed stadium. It was absolutely an eye-opener. Crazy. Well, Elise, we may not be able to invest in the esports industry on the Australian market, but one uh, sector that seems to dominate the conversation here is buy now, pay later. So uh, we'll move to that in a second uh, and pick your brains on it. But before we do, we'll just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So, Elise, before the break, I mentioned uh, that we're going to move to the buy now, pay later sector, and I can see Bryce chomping at the bit to get there. He, I don't need convincing. I don't need convincing. If Bitcoin's his true love, uh, Afterpay would be his second. Um, so let, let's start generally because there's, I guess there's a lot of directions we can take this conversation. But at a high level, when you think about buy now, pay later, uh, where do you start um, thinking about it and analysing it? So, as you say, it's definitely the most topical investor conversations that we have. Um, when we came and approached these stocks, for us, we approached them the same way we do most of our tech stocks. One, what is the market opportunity? So, what we call your, your total addressable market or TAM. And that, for us, was how many individuals do you think might take out buy now, pay later? Or what part of retail sales do you think they could adopt? So, that's, that's your step one. But then from there, we also start to think, all right, well, what is the unique value proposition? Because it sounds like every single week there's some new buy now, pay later that comes to market and a new offering and you've seen Apple come into this space, you've seen PayPal as well. Um, so for us, we went, is there a competitive mode? Are there barriers to entry? And so that's the other thing that we started to look at after we've identified TAM is who are the key winners for us? And we find that if you think about the value proposition that these guys offer, it's not just, hey, you can pay in four to six or however many installments. It's also, are you bringing unique offers? I am for the merchant, I bring unique customers. And the bigger you are, the more unique customers you bring and the bigger that you get, you can also then offer better payment terms for your repeat customers. So let's just say if you've used Afterpay for two years, you're going to be able to 
borrow a lot more if you've been consistent with your payments than somebody who's just started to offer it. So, yeah, with that in mind, that's probably how we start to think about it and that's been a preference as, as to our um, calls on the stock. Uh, so a, a bit to unpack there. Let's let's start with Afterpay and Zip, two of the biggest names here in Australia, um, both of which are now starting to significantly play overseas as well. So let's, I guess, more broadly, what are your thoughts on each of them? And then you mentioned moats there. I'd be interested to get your view on what you see as their moats, if they have any, uh, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, so our topic's Afterpay, and the context there is – our overall arching view is the bigger that you are on the first mover advantage, that's how you start to create your economic model. Because let's just think about it in a simple scenario. If you started two years ago and you've reached as many customers as you have, and Australia is becoming relatively mature than other markets than, say, the US, you'll find that if you go to a merchant, you've probably already got all the merchants. Oh, sorry, you've already got all the active customers that you would have had if you just start today. So that's where we find those larger guys, both Afterpay and Zip, bode well on that front versus a new entrant and a smaller player that's just coming to market too. That's your first point around creating an economic mold there. The other component that creates and, and drives that as well is some of those offerings as mentioned. The longer you're with that platform, the more that you can borrow because you show your tenacity to spend. So you think for Afterpay, about 85% of their sales comes from repeat customers. And that's bringing down your loss rates overall, both well from a company standpoint. It's also enabling you to, you know, instead of being able to borrow $500, you can now borrow a grand or two grand. And that, again, your, your average order value is about $100, $150. You get to spend a lot more and a lot more frequently. Um, and then they can start to drive. Now, their marketplace is another area that they're trying to drive. So instead of you just jumping on that, you know, your general store, whatever it is, and depending at the checkout saying, I'm going to pay in full. Instead, now you jump on the afterpay and you can get 10% off and you can see some things that perhaps you weren't going to buy. So the merchant's willing to pay for that. So there's a few things that they're doing that they're kind of building out that first mover advantage and creating a mold versus initially it was just, hey, you, you pay in full. That isn't unique proprietary technology to split your payments in full. But what is unique is what they're building out now. Now, Elise, one moat that we think about when we think of a company like Nike is brand. Uh, Zip have just rebranded and we couldn't miss the chance to ask what your thoughts are about the, uh, the new brand and the big purple box. Yeah, look, I'm not a marketing expert, so I actually dropped out of that because <laughs> I was really bad at it. You asked me what color is better, blue or red. I'm like, which one's cheaper? <laughs> Went straight to the finances. So I am not sure how it's going to go down in terms of being up, but brand is an important element in all of this. So we did a comparison in buying our payletter space because, as we mentioned, the tech might not be as proprietary, um, but you think about Coca-Cola. And you think, hey, that was really differentiated with the branding. So I hope that it bodes well uh, for them. But again, it is a very important element of creating that consumer awareness and, and continuing. Yeah. <laughs> very, very diplomatic answer. I'll, I'll <laughs> uh, I don't get it. 
I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm sure there's reasons behind it, but it is not clear to me. <laughs> we, we're obviously going to touch on the announcements from PayPal and Apple in a second, but let's just remain focused on Afterpay and Zip, both of which are pushing hard into America. How would you assess their efforts in that space so far? And would you say that one has been more successful than the other? Well, in the US, it is, as you mentioned, the key delta for these stocks is about five times the size of what ANZ is and will be a key driver of their future growth. Based on statistics, after pay is in the lead, just in terms of active numbers, merchants, so on and so forth, and, and did bought a business called Pay to get their growth there. Um, they did do, though, in the last Q3 result, which came out last week for Zip, they did do actually better than what consensus and we expected in the US, but again, it wasn't necessarily enough for what the perhaps the retail investor uh, was looking for. So overall, after phase taking the lead there, we think the expectations for Zip are relatively low, at least from outside of the market. And you've got to look at the multiples of these stocks. They're significantly different. So if they were on the same multiple, then yeah, you'd have to be leaning towards Afterpay, but that's one, you know, over 20 times EV sales, whereas these other stocks below 10 times. So again, there's, there's a difference. It's more your value play, is it? Yeah, Zip, Zip is a really interesting one on that point around expectations because it feels... So, the stock's down about 50% from its February highs and retail investors are making a lot of noise. And, you know, I think it's one of the most shorted stocks on the ASX. But at the same time, a lot of the brokers that are releasing reports on Zip have price targets in the $8 range. I saw one in the $10 range. Um it just feels like there's a real mismatch of expectations going on with Zip. How, how do you think about that? Yeah, that's absolutely what we've recognized as well and started to see. And you do come across those stocks where we all, as an institutional investment environment, think, hey, hold on, we're optimistic versus the retail side. Why that occurs is, is more challenging to recognize. Um, but I think from our standpoint, why are we optimistic in having these price targets stems from our expectations around growth and overall the market. You think instead of just thinking, hey, these guys are not that great of a product, we're going, all right, they're not as great, but we're forecasting still reasonable growth given the size of the market. And they are a significant player and they've got the balance sheet and have continued to grow. Uh, so I think that's where perhaps the disconnect goes. We're probably doing too much work looking <laughs> at the numbers um, and taking a step back. But yeah, we'll see how it pans out. So Elise, you mentioned scale was one of the important factors in for these companies when it comes to creating a moat. And two of the biggest players in payments and tech, PayPal and Apple, have both recently announced that they're going to be entering this space with some form of a um, buy now, pay later offer, both of which have enormous scale immediately. Um, so w- where does that leave your thinking when it comes to the the success of Afterpay and Zip? It's funny. As soon as those announcements came out and happened PayPal last year and, and this year, more recently, Apple, the stocks fell 5 to 10%, depending which shock you look at in the space but that's a as soon as that happens you think that's in the price largely it can get worse but for us we took a step back and thought hold on is there anything that could be positive about this coming through and it's a hypothetical but you think if apple and 
PayPal are coming in there. One, it's it's a formidable actual space. There's something going on in there that's meaningful enough for these big guys to want to come in there. Same with CBA, you think. There's financial institutions, whether or not in the future you have the likes of a square or any of those other big guys. It, it's probably going to happen because this is a reasonable growing area. So that's one thing that we thought, hey, this isn't that bad too. It drives the overall pie. So if you go back to us trying to think about how do we see the opportunity and how do we value these stocks, it all starts from that total addressable market. And again, if you've got more players in there, you've got a bigger pie. Even if your pie, you take less of a share, it's growing that overall pie that perhaps it's going to be in line or still even be better than what we expected because more people are aware of it that when you're like, oh, actually, what are the other options out there? And if these guys are broadening into other offerings, of, I can only go to Afterpay, jump on the marketplace online. Can I jump on an Apple Marketplace website and find discounts and all my merchants in my one-stop shop? Not yet. So I think that's where they're evolving themselves that whilst it all seems negative and everybody can talk about that and competition is always a challenge and, you know, you've got to watch it closely, just being, you know, outside of the box thinking, I think that perhaps it, it might not be as um, bad as fiat. Uh, we had this morning PayPal's quarterly result um, as well and that showed that even though you're seeing strong growth, for example, as taking ahead like active customers, the increase was around 0.9 million um, from the quarter on quarter. Whereas you look at what Afterpay is doing, we're expecting around 2.4 for the next quarter. And so you can see if you keep accelerating that growth, no matter what happens, you're not going to necessarily catch up if Afterpay can continue. But it's all that, oh, what if? Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating battle that, um, that we're going to watch play out. Um, in this battle, there's Afterpay, there's Zip, there's PayPal, there's Apple. They capture the headlines, but there is a raft of smaller players that are all trying to fight for their piece of the pie. Sezzle, Hum, Split It, OpenPay, the list goes on. Um, how do you think about these smaller players in this competition? Do you think any have uh, bright prospects any that may fall out of the competition at some point uh yeah how are you thinking about that long tail of buy now pay later so on a fundamental you know 12 three year view our thesis is all around that first mover advantage and the larger players gaining global share so that makes it challenging for some of those smaller players however in the near term there is some opportunities of that land grab so you know we think sezzle's got some short-term wins but fundamentally we do have a sell on that stock um, as we don't see those economics stacking up they might have to raise there's some you know stock coming out of escrow again that doesn't bode well on the share price um, but if you think about them getting some of those contract wins you, you might see a few more small hits to that share price um, against what our longer term view is yeah interesting to see how this all plays out I'm sure um, we're going to have a, a divided community listening to this but um... <laughs> let's turn to the Australian startup scene probably um, for for us in the equity mates community a scene that's not necessarily covered as as much or at least we're not getting information flow as, as much as we sort of would like so how would you describe the current state of the Australian startup scene? Let's start at the top. So I think, as you recognise, it's really important to actually hear about these stocks before they come to market because it's, it gives us a guide as to who are your next disruptors to the listing 
large cap stocks or even small cap that we have in the market. And it's also a matter of, hey, who's going to be that next IPL? You'd rather have heard the journey from the start before they come to market to know where you think their growth is going to go. So what we're seeing in that space at the moment is similar really to what we're seeing in the listed space, which is high valuations. It's as though a lot of that institutional money, which often moves the dial in some of these stocks, has now seen the returns that were being received in that VC space. And so now they've started to move it to the pre-IPO space. Um, but when we think about the thematics, again, thinking about what might be our future stocks that we've got to look at. Um, one which I know you're going to love here is around cryptocurrency. We see a lot of that coming through, um, a lot of fintechs and then ESG investing. That's another thematic that we're seeing a lot in that space. So I guess, you know, the the startup scene is critical to create the next, you know, Seek and REA in Australia, but, you know, what we want to aim for the next Google and Apple and all of those that were all started in garages over in Silicon Valley. Um, I guess looking at the tech landscape and looking at those potential companies that may be IPOing soon and, uh, you know, showing great growth, growth prospects, are there any particular names that get that, you know, have you quite excited at the moment? Well, we started up a talking tech podcast where we host these entrepreneur startup funds. Um, and there's a few potential IPOs in there that I'm not going to single out who and what they are. They are on Apple and Spotify if you do want to listen to our talking tech with Elise. Um, but a few that I'll just allude to um, is around historically um, there's in this a space of, of music. Um, there's a lot of middlemen that open and kind of work within there, whereas there's now ways you think online where you can remove that middleman so that both the artist gets the full amount of fees um, and then you can also reach untapped artists. That's one thing. There's also some of those ESG-orientated stocks, as mentioned, ones that can track carbon of companies, including the likes of yourself, if you needed to track the carbon recognition. Um, and then another... Um, one which is you can shop um, as a woman it's trying to divide the gap in your superannuation every time you shop even if you think hey, you're working from home mother you're probably the one that's going to be booking all the things for the kids and buying all the nappies or whatever it is what if you could get paid into your superannuation for that and so that's what this um, app does app slash website so that's a few of those um, but as I mentioned I won't specify by which ones are coming to mind. I'll leave that to you guys. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elise, uh, we appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, we have almost come to the end of our time. Uh, but before we do, if people want to find out more about you, um, you've mentioned the Talking Tech podcast. Uh, but outside of that, if people want to find out more about you or you know your work at Jarden, uh, where should they go? Uh, if you just Google on the website, Elise Kennedy on Jarden, you'll be able to find myself on LinkedIn. That's probably one of the best ways to reach out to me personally, but you'll also see a bio as to myself and some of the other analysts that are in the market that's covering other spaces outside of tech too. Nice one. Well, we'll jump into these final three questions. The first one is, do you have any books that you consider must read? I've got an extensive list, so I will narrow it down to a few quick ones. So Shoe Dog, <laughs> Chapter One, Benjamin Graham, Intelligent Investor, just to balance it. <laughs> and then my lucky last one, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Nice. Some great books there. How to Win Friends and Influence People is one that Warren Buffett also often talks about, so you're in good company there. 
<laughs> I think he also likes Benjamin Graham too. Yeah. So he, I would add he's the least too. But. Uh, so the next one is, what is the best company you've ever come across? That's a really hard question, but I continue to find ones that I think, wow, there's just some really impressive drivers. Because there's so many you think in the US um, as to what what I find is best about a a company is about being able to grow beyond what you exist with today. So Xero is great, a New Zealand startup taking their business globally, strong unit economics such as low churn, growing lifetime value, proven ability to look at cash flow. So that's just one company I can give an example of looking at the drivers, but there's plenty more if you tick off that kind of list of those drivers out there. Nice one. And then final question, if you think back to your early days starting out investing, buying those first shares in 3-day systems, uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? Don't stress if you reach 25 and you haven't, you know, invested right and made a few mistakes. I think that that success is about the journey. It's about learning and overcoming some of those stumbling blocks and thinking about those is just stepping stones for you getting creative about your solutions or thinking about differently each time. So instead of kicking yourself and going, oh, what did I do investing in those stocks? Actually, if I go back to my original example, you have to sell at a certain time. Keep your eye on the price. (laughs) Well, Elise, thank you so much for your time today. No doubt that uh, our community would have taken a lot from from this interview, a a very topical space and one that's daily uh, getting questions and and conversation going in our in our Facebook group and and so we appreciate hearing your thoughts on it um, and I would encourage anyone who's listening to try and follow the work that you're doing because you're covering this space very closely and uh, to your point got to keep the eye on the prize so appreciate your time <laughs> thank you both again for having me on the show equity mates investing podcast is a product of equity mates media All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.